Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Corey and today I have a very special co-host like every week. It is my brother from another mother and another father, Mr. MTG BBD. How you doing, Dizzle? Oh, I'm brown doing quite oh. well, Mr. <laughs> Corey B underscore MTG. Yes, my, that is my full name. My brother from... <laughs> I, just not related at all, actually. We're just not fucking related, so... No, but you do have a mother and father, and as do I. I mean, we have so much in common that it makes a lot of sense that we would do a podcast <laughs> together, really. Yeah, actually, what happened was Corey and I, like, despised each other. We yeah. hate. We were at absolute war with each other for, like, most mm. of our lives, and then... Yeah. He found out that my mother's name is Martha, which is also his mm. mother's name. And he yes. just, How did you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we just connected, you know, like it was just an instant connection. So I have to say, though, it is pretty odd. You know, we may not be related, but, you know, I have met members of your family while you were in completely different states. I believe it was your aunt that I was like when I was dealing blackjack. She was just at a table like making small talk. Like, what else do you do for a living? I was like, I play magical cards. And she's like, my Brian does that, too. And I'm like, well, you're who? <laughs> and we just had like a mind blown uh, moment where I figured out. I'll be like, yep, here's pictures with me, with your uh, with your nephew. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's so cool. Like the fact <laughs> just the random fact that like my family is from North Dakota and just yeah. random interactions <laughs> like uh, wasn't uh, wasn't Tori's like dad in a band with my uncle or something? Yeah, that's right, too. Yeah, my my fiance's dad was in a hair band uh, when they were really young, you know, like for most of his, uh, uh, you know, mid 20s or something. And yeah, they played together. And I, I know that uh, his name's Don is Tori's dad. He was looking to like get like a reunion going with some of the bandmates. Maybe maybe not your uncle anymore, but like whoever still plays. They were trying to figure out to like play at one random bar that they used to love or something. Oh, man, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's yeah. just, I love that small, small world stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, I hate it because, you know, then we just we just have to be intertwined constantly, Brian. And as you stated, we're mortal enemies. True. But anyways, but you know what isn't bad? That The fact that you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitchers. You can find it in Bismarck, North Dakota, any other state, aisle seven of your local grocery store. We're everywhere, really. Yeah, brother, the Brothers Who Bash podcast, international superstars <laughs> at this point. I'll tell you yeah, something that yeah. you can't find, though. <laughs> what can't we? You cannot find a special guest on this episode. I no, we tried to get one. So we did. Yes, we did try to get oh. one. So we tried to get a special guest. Um, however, we have a policy on the bash or on the uh, Brothers Who Bash podcast. My apologies. Of course, yeah. Yeah, we have a mm -hmm. strict policy on the Brothers Who Bash podcast that you must have a seventeen percent win rate or higher to be the special guest on an episode. So we were actually, I mean, it seems like a pretty low floor. It's a very low floor. It's a very forgiving yeah. floor. Um, we actually tried to bring in uh, Brad Nelson as a special guest. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. I've, I've heard of him. He's got to have a better win rate than a 70%. He was 16.67% at the last uh, event. Oh. We could not get him in. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, our our special guest screener that's, did send us that email yeah. that no matter what you have that's the one requirement we have. Otherwise, our last special guest, they've really just been basically anyone off the streets, you know, anyone off the streets of North Dakota, they just throw in most of the time, but we've had a lot yeah, okay. of really unplayable special guests, a lot of them, but <laughs> even even like with our incredibly low standards, we do still have standards and at some point we have to yeah. s- stick to those standards, so yeah. Okay, well, I mean, honestly, if if Brad Nelson, if you're listening out there, just please just work on that win percentage yeah. and hopefully we can, uh, you know, talk to our special guest screener and really try to you know, get you back on the cast for next week. I think that's the best we can do, Brian. Yeah, he's also, I also hear he's real dumb. He, oh. he has no, he has no wisdom anymore. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like he had some the last time he was on the cast. He did, though. yeah. He had a lot of great insight last time he was on the cast. Now he is just oh. fucking dumb as shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's fair. And a great segue for my next point, because okay. I want to talk about some upcoming events. And of course that means... Another week, another Insight Esports. And Insight Esports still has a lot of wisdom. You know, that that's a fact. So if you want to play some of these events this Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, there is going to be a, another 5K. Um, we saw, we're actually going to be talking a little bit later about some of the deck lists from the 5K from last weekend, which was kind of our first look into Historic. There was a lot of cool stuff. We're going to be unpacking that a little bit later. But the entry fee is $15 plus the melee fee. Oh, it's too early, Brian. Okay, sorry. (laughs) You you jumped the gun. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyways, it is just going to be $15 entry fee and $1.50 for melee. And you can win, you know, some nice prizes. Looks like another 2K up top. I did play the one last week, Brian, okay. and uh, I did not do good. I was going to say, you know, I see a lot of the deck lists, a lot of the high performing. I don't see you anywhere. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I left I left my name out of it. Okay. I left my name out of it. And honestly, I made a stupid decision. I decided to attack with pelt collectors Ugh. in this event because I think people were going to be shitting around with a bunch of bad decks. I was right, but I ran into just some train wreck matchups and i also think that deck is just not that good yeah you could have asked me you're, you're playing gruel right yeah i was just playing gruel yeah you could yeah. ask me about gruel and i would have told you to never fucking play that deck again <laughs> yeah and it, it it i learned that lesson pretty quick i went three and one with punting a mirror match um you know so i was doing okay but like round one i played against a refurbish faithless looting um god's pharaoh's gift deck nice but it was just red white to play three deafening clarions four lightning helixes a couple wraths and then just returning angel of inventions very quickly i got obliterated badly yeah that 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 seems like a rough one (laughs) yeah it was it wasn't great it wasn't great so i might try for some redemption um this saturday actually i can't i'm going to be commentating for extra life and dream hack they're doing a really fun charity event this weekend where you can win just like a ton of gems it's like ten thousand gems and it's just don't or it's trying to raise a lot of money um for extra life and some good causes and stuff so That'll be pretty fun, too, if you want to play some standard. They're also doing, like, Fall Guys and Among Us. All these things that I will not be commentating because I don't even know how to play half these games. I mean, that just sounds like a real fun (laughs) jamboree of different games you can play. So it sounds like a great event. 
You know what, Brian? Normally, this is when uh, another person yeah. uh, that shall not be named, you right. know, we'll say Voldemort for uh, for for time purposes here, would really just you know go Wait. silent and just not acknowledge that joke. But I want to I want to give that the respect it deserves. Thank that was you. nice. Thank a good you. pun. I really yeah. appreciate that a lot. It means a yeah. lot coming from you, Mister <laughs> BMTG. Um. <laughs> it's underscore MTG. Okay, get my name right, please. Oh. I mean, we're professionals. Brian Brondewin <laughs> at mtg.net. I actually got to tell you, I'm not Brian anymore. You're not? No. Um, okay. I'm now Bevison is my name. Oh, okay. Be you were quarantine really got to you. You just decided <laughs> to change names. I didn't make the decision to change my name. The person okay. who registered my name on the vaccination card today, their <laughs> handwriting was ass. Straight no ass. Way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It does not look like Brian at all. It literally looks like Bevison. Wow. Yeah. There's going to be some guy named Bevison that's going to like get their second dose thinking they already have one and like yeah. going to like get some medical problems from jumping the gun on that. I don't know what really happened if you get your second dose first. I guess they're probably just the exact same dose, aren't they? I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know the yeah. answer. I was th I was wondering that too. I was like, are they the same dose just twice, or is it like yeah. actually a different dose? Yeah, yeah, who knows? Regardless, you're that was your first, right? So you're halfway done, right? I'm actually like I'm. You know, if all goes well, the second dose, like the first dose, is just like you know the starter thing. The second yeah. dose is what's going to actually turn me into a villain. I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna become okay. M M Bevison. Oh, like a, okay. Yeah, a Street I, I Fighter actually, villain, yeah. I actually heard that with second doses, like one of the side effects, you know, fatigue, all, all that stuff we all know about. But the the major side effects for most people is you develop a full-on skull. Okay, so I, yeah. I think that's going to be where you can finally complete your look by getting that second dose. Perfect. You know, and the thing is, is I was actually... I was actually just about to segue into that. Like I, I was already planning the villain look, like the uh, the vil villainous facial hair, full skullet, yeah. of course. You got to have a full skullet, so of course, of course. And I mean, honestly, just the the facial hair you have, you know, going down to your chin. At least the picture I'm looking at now from our old uh, Google Hangouts picture, that's still pretty villainous, you know. Just having the chin hair up into the mustache, that's pretty menacing. Oh, yeah. I was actually watching. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't for as much as I love the Lord of the Rings movies. and I've seen them like a ton of times. I'd actually mm -hmm. never seen the Hobbit movies. So okay. I was actually watching the Hobbit movies. Um, I've only seen the first. I, I still got to watch number two and number three. But I, I watched the first one and there's like three dwarves in that movie. They just have full skullets. And I yes. love it. I'm, I'm just, I, I saw that. And I was like, fuck, yes. <laughs> I finally, I finally know my true family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just like a spinoff of, um, of Lord of the Rings, but it's just following just like Golem, right? I, I've never seen it. Oof. Oh, that, it hurts me to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, well, did I just butcher that badly? Yeah, the, the Hobbit is a prequel to, uh, oh, okay, to okay. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so it's, it's a Bilbo Baggins story. Um, okay. Do you remember Bilbo from the Lord of the Rings movies? I've heard you and Brad like say that name. You know, that's like the only time I've ever. But no, I I, I wouldn't know for sure. He's like uh, Frodo's uncle that originally okay. found the ring, 
And he's like the the old guy that's like in Riven, the old uh, Hobbit that's like in Rivendell when they go there in the first movie. Okay, he's the main character. I know. I've, of the I know. Hobbit. I've watched. I know. I've watched the first one, and the second one was like the two towers, right, or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember watching it, and I thoroughly did enjoy him, but it was never something like I think I watched it when I was too young um, to to really appreciate. You know, to just really appreciate the movies. I never really got into the series. Two, the Two Towers is is amazing because it features the best character in Lord of the Rings, which is and that is that is uh, Saruman played by Christopher Lee. Ooh, okay, glorious, that just guy, glorious. Yeah, Christopher Lee is just such a fucking badass. Like he really is. <laughs> I mean, he. I think he passed away a couple of years ago, but he. Um, okay. I mean, he was like I think in his nineties. And he was down. He recorded a death metal album in his 90s. Um, wow. <laughs> okay, that's pretty badass. He, he, he's he played Sauron in Lord of the Rings. He was the only person involved in the Lord of the Rings movies who had actually met J.R. Tolkien in real life. J.R. Tolkien okay. wrote these books in the 1930s. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's so, like a that's like a full circle bucket list thing to meet. Someone and then play in their eventual movie. That's pretty sweet. That, that far down. Like they, I remember there's a thing in a movie. He was at one point, I think he was like engaged to royalty in like some Scandinavian country or something. Okay. I don't know. The, the dude just has an insane life. Like he was, um, yeah, he just had like a, just like a, oh, I think like, I don't know. The guy just had like a real insane life. I don't know. It's, it's just really, real okay. badass, but he's like, Saruman is just such an awesome character and he he played it really well. So all right, I think I have to I have to check out these movies here. That might be my my homework over the weekend. For sure it is. Spe- yeah, speaking so of got- speaking of homework. Yeah. Oh I, I, nice segue. Yeah. yeah, I had some exciting news happen to me uh today that has honestly been a long time coming, and it was probably the most frustrating journey ever trying to get a home loan as an independent contractor that also just moved uh, to a new location and technically has changed jobs. So the big hurdle I was always running into is every single bank or lender was just like, yep, sure, you can have whatever amount for income, but you have to have someplace where you've been working at for two years. And I was like, okay, I just moved a year ago though. And they're like, uh, in, in a small amount of words, get fucked because that's that's just what you need so finally we got me and tori got our taxes done resent them into uh to her bank and just got approved for a home loan so we started to you know look at zillow and send some homes that we like to a realtor and got the whole process going yeah that, that is that's awesome man like yeah owning a home is just such a great like investment basically that it's just it really is your life so you uh, yeah. you looking to to make Roanoke, Virginia, a, a, a permanent homestay? Is that the plan? You know, I I wouldn't say that for sure, but you know, the sense of just buying a home and then even if we decided to move, yeah. renting this out, you know, even like what Todd did when he moved to Cali, um, you know, rent out his home, have somebody look after it. You know, I got I got plenty of friends here if I were to move and or just sell it and then, you know, take that money to the next location. Um, but even even if we only live there for three years, which that's the plan at least. Yeah. You know, live here for a good amount of time. I still want to go on the SCG grind. I know that is uh, you know, past what you would like to enjoy because you did it for what, like 45 years or so? 
Yeah, almost as long as Christopher Lee. Uh, not quite yeah, yeah, that yeah. long, but qu- uh, quite some time I've been on the grind. So, yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, you actually met Richard Garfield <laughs> yeah. and then played on his tour, you know, right. 50 years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's not that special because I have met Richard Garfield. And I've actually never met Richard Garfield. So oh, you haven't. No, okay. Haven't, okay. No. <laughs> I, I played I played against him. Uh, but I, I, you know what, this, now looking back, this was really, really shady, cheaty activity. Okay. I played against him and eight other people. So a lot of outside assistance going on here. This was not a one-on-one game of magic. And I was playing on a team with eight other people and we were playing these giant magic cards where you just, you know, set them down oh, in the middle of the yeah. table. I, I think I yeah, remember and, like, this. Nationals. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> So I just remember I just I was just holding a basic land. So they tagged me in. And I'm like, all right, slap that card down and then turned it sideways. And wait, did you know? Really did I you did, know but... what that land did? No, there wasn't enough words on it. Okay, I, honestly, <laughs> I, I, there was just a symbol and it was really confusing at my age. So I wish lands would be a little bit more self-explanatory these days. Yeah. If only the yeah. lands would actually tell you what they do. And that. Yeah. Would, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, Valakut, that one's very self-explanatory. It's, it tells you what it does. Yeah. You know, but like basic lands, it's kind of just left up to your own interpretation of what you think that land does. Right. It's Until not written, now. It's not written on the card at all. <laughs> what the land does. So. All right, Brian, we got to we got to save that for a little bit later. So oh, for we'll, sure. we'll save that for a little bit later. But yeah, basically, the one last thing about the home loan thing is I'm just excited for you know, the days when things open up again and let's say we y'all have a pro tour, maybe I'm commentating somewhere on the East Coast. Y'all can come and stay at my house. Then we can travel uh, up to a tournament or something like that or an invitational, have some people over. I think that is really what I'm looking forward to, to having a, a, a nice home. Oh, yeah, that I mean, that's yeah. just the dream right there. The American dream. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So one last uh, upcoming events before we get too into our podcast today. The SCG Tour is going to be back and it's it's going to be fun. This one's standard. So we're going to see if these, you know, see if the format actually shakes up at all. But if it's going to shake up and there's going to be a new deck that's going to come out, it's going to be this weekend because, you know, there's four satellites running uh, starting tomorrow um, for each day. Qualify four and two or better gets you into that Sunday tournament, and we'll just uh, be able to see if standards different or if it's completely the same. Which would be my guess, to be honest. What do you think? Uh yeah, I think it's probably going to be mostly the same. I, I could see like mm-hmm. a couple of new things popping up, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to expect like the dominant strategies of the last six months or whatever to just suddenly be dethroned. <laughs> so yeah, it's like oh, there's a lot of two mana two twos out of here. I don't think that Bone Crusher Giant card is going to stand up to the test of time there, you know? <laughs> I, I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem good enough. So, all right, now that we've lost Mangucci with all this home loan <laughs> COVID shot. <laughs> we haven't lost, we, I don't know, you might still be listening. Well, okay, well, if he's still listening, we're going to talk about what our episode's going to be about, okay. and then maybe we'll just try to lose him again. Yeah. So, what we're going to be talking about today, we alluded to it a little bit, we're going to be talking about some of the new art, uh, the Mystical Archive cards in Historic, as well as the new Secret Layer announcement that dropped 
a little bit earlier today, uh, yesterday, if you're listening to this, when our podcast comes out on Friday, uh, we had some strong opinions on this, and it's it's pretty absurd, um, including full text lands that are coming out, oh, which this story yeah. <laughs> is just hilarious. I honestly didn't believe Brian, but we'll, we'll get in that a little bit later. We're going to talk about some historic decks from the last Inside Esports uh, event, as well as what me and Brian think is going to be what kind of impact these mystical archive cards are going to have on historic moving forward. But before that, Brian, I heard that you have just a very important story that you need to tell us. I, I do actually, I got to tell the story. Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say, since we never really actually mentioned it, that mm. Brad is not on the cast this week. Cause he did get his wisdom teeth removed, <laughs> which is why I was yeah. making the comments about him now being dumb. Um, yeah. And there were some complications with that, I guess. So he is yeah, he's still in pain. Yeah, he's, in, he's yeah. in a lot of pain when he's trying to talk. So uh, he's taking. And believe it or not, you have to talk when you're on a podcast. You know, that's that's one of the things you got to do. You don't have to. You know, I've got <laughs> yeah. I'll say some of these past special guests on this podcast have gotten by by not yeah. having to talk. So but you know what? One thing that all our special guests have done, they've had a 17% win rate or higher. True. Up until, you know, the this week we couldn't we couldn't get one. But, True. Yeah. That is that is factual. <laughs> all right, but on to the catfish story. Cause I just think this is is kind of insane. And I, I just love these stories for some reason. Um you do it, love catfish for whatever reason. It's just, they're just so delicious when properly prepared. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the actual fish and the TV show and stuff. I think you've told me more just random catfish stories in my life than I've ever heard from anyone combined. Oh yeah, so I'm. Oh yeah, so I'm. Uh, it's like two a.m. I just finished okay. watching The Hobbit, and I'm about to go to bed, and I'm like, kind of like not delirious but certainly out of it like pretty tired you're tired yeah but i just compulsively check twitter.com because that's who i am as a person i compulsively yeah. check twitter and i just see people alluding to this like uh catfish story basically alluding to, okay. to this event that took place but i don't really understand what's going on and it involves people from like lakers twitter basically like uh fans of the los angeles lakers and their like little community on twitter so i start to dig into this and it takes me like over an hour to dig through all this stuff to actually just understand what's even going on like i'm like full-blown uh (laughs) sherlocking this shit like i got the investigator hat on and everything because it's not easy to actually follow what's going on with a story where you don't know any of the characters and people are um, referring to events and things that happen that you know nothing about. So, yeah, and to see the start of it, you just actually have to go to the bottom. Otherwise, you're just seeing people talk about stuff that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. I'm just seeing people talk yeah. about stuff that's like responding to other things that I don't even know what's being responded to, you know, like okay. or someone's like, I can't believe like this happened. And it's like, well, I don't even know what that's referring to in the first place. So I'm sure. like digging through all these tr- different things, but basically the, the way it ends up happening or what I end up uncovering is that uh, there's this girl named Vivian who is a, a uh, fairly popular person on Lakers Twitter. I think she had like 
16,000 followers or something. Um, okay. Okay. On Twitter, just like a just like a super fan of the Lakers. She's on a podcast with another guy where they talk about the Lakers, all this okay. kind of other stuff. And um just a Laker fan, yeah, right? Like, just a real kind of- Laker fan, yeah. And she had like um I guess like was suffering from like cancer or something and got a lot of support about that and like was, you know, just a, a whole sure. big thing about that, like you know, pictures of her at various Lakers games, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, what happened is Kevin Durant. Do you know who Kevin uh, Durant is? Durantula, yeah. yeah. Big fan of Kevin Durant. Yeah, so he's one of the most popular basketball players in the NBA. And he yeah. uh, he was doing a, I guess, like, thing, like a live thing with his fans on Twitter where people were talking to each other. And somebody brought up this uh character in regards to like her catfishing somebody so catfishing is basically when it's not a real person and it's just okay. it's somebody who made somebody else up pretending to be a real person so usually to like get you know a, a date like yeah. right like most of the time it's romantically it is yeah yeah that's basically what it is it's like you make up a fake yeah. person and you know basically pretend to be that person yeah um, yeah yeah so Somebody mentioned that that they they were, I guess, like kind of online dating this Vivian person, but okay, just didn't think they were a real person because they would never FaceTime with them. They kept dodging like all these situations where they would have to actually meet with somebody in real life. Okay, so I guess somebody brought this up on Kevin Durant's like little meet thing. And the guy who had gotten catfished was in there and they made him explain the story. So he explains like how he got catfished by her. And then that causes the Internet to um, start researching the whole thing. So now like okay. now there's like a bunch of Internet sleuths digging at it. So if you're trying to like make up a fake persona and you get a bunch of like Reddit scientists on the case, like that shit's going to get broken up real yeah, fast. Real quick. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> You're going to be the next game, uh, GameStop, you know, thing. They're they're going to they're going to figure out all the ins and outs of stock markets and figure out who you are, you know. Yeah. So people basically break down. They go through like her photos and they're like, yeah, these are photoshopped. Like you can tell because of this, this and this, like all this other stuff like that, that she like um, photoshopped. People are asking her to post a video online to prove that she's real. And she's like, no, I don't have to do that. Like everyone knows, like, you know, people know me like it's blah, 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 like refuses to actually post the videos. And people are like, yeah, this is this is this isn't real or whatever. Um, And people, I guess, end up kind of coming to the conclusion that they think that her podcast host was the guy who is also pretending to be her. So effectively, they think that this guy two voices is playing two different people on the same podcast using a voice modulator for one. And then he's editing. He has to go through and record this fucking podcast from as himself and then record the (laughs) podcast as the other person talking to him and reacting to him and vice versa. You don't think they'd just be talking and having a conversation with yourself with different voices? I mean... And syncing it together? I mean, possibly, but there are times where, like, you know, they'll interrupt each other or something. You know, like, that kind of stuff. Oh, like, yeah. the normal things that would happen <laughs> with people. 
And so people basically, they think that 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 guy, I mean, that's so much work involved. Think of how much work it is. You would have to edit a podcast of yourself into yourself. So people basically, I guess, like people broke down and they just kind of came to the conclusion that it's probably that guy who spent the entire time pretending to also be this person as well as himself, who's also a character on Lakers Twitter. And then... (laughs) It got deep enough. This is the best part, I thought, was somebody <laughs> looks at his own profile picture, which is just him holding a, his his dog. And they're like, look at it. He photoshopped the dog into this picture. And like, you can tell if you oh look real God. close, like based on the way his hand is over the dog's face, that is photoshopped. <laughs> Oh my and god! So only his just own... doesn't even have a dog. It yeah. is only one person. <laughs> his own profile picture is also photoshopped of him holding a dog. So wow. yeah, so there's I don't know. The whole thing is like it was a huge deal on Lakers Twitter, and I kind of went mainstream sports Twitter for a while too um about this whole story i I don't know i just thought it was insane that is ridiculous so like honestly i'll wake up some days and i'll just you know have like 30 notifications on my twitter and i'm like oh god like what happened you know like why do i have so many notifications you know this person woke up and just has like one million notifications (laughs) like well i had a good run with my double podcast and my fake dog like i guess i guess the time is over yeah and like just the whole (laughs) all the stuff that happened i guess what what made people suspicious too was um she went missing at a after a lakers game and like they i guess they had tried to like involve lakers security and all this other stuff into it and i think Uh that guy was the guy who like found her so like after she had gone missing and i think that's why everyone was like yeah he's definitely the dude because if she's not a real person and he's the one who found her when she was missing, then he's obviously in on in it on to it. some extent. Yeah. yeah. So she is not at, like posted pictures at being at a Lakers game or the fake person's pictures are posted at a Lakers game. And she probably let alone doesn't exist, but wasn't actually at these games, just like using some other person's image. I think it was just Photoshop. Like, it was yeah. I was using um. So people like really sleuthed it out, and I yeah. guess um. There's like I think a basketball player from I'm not sure where what country. Um, sure, but there was some basketball player from another country that they basically used as like the model for this fake person, um, and like photoshopped okay. like a different person's face onto that basketball player's body. Okay. And like, I guess people wow. had kind of piece like I guess people kind of pieced it together because it looked the same. And yeah. uh but yeah, all all the pictures at Lakers games were photoshopped and stuff. So my question is just why? You know, yeah. like is this person <laughs> making that much money off their podcast that this fake persona is like financially worth it or getting sixteen thousand followers? Like, I mean, I, I don't have 16,000 followers. I have like 10,000 followers, but I can't say it's ever produced a dime for me <laughs> to have followers, you know, like, you know, maybe having followers to translate into checking out my content, checking out a podcast, it, whatever it I does. guess. Yeah, but, it, it, it interacts. Yeah. Like your, your, your brand affects your, sure. like, would you be doing commentary yeah. right now if you, if you didn't have that 
Maybe not. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe not. You're right. You're right. But just, I still just got to circle back to, but why? You know? Oh, oh yeah. One of the best (laughs) comments I saw was just the Thanos meme where it's like all this for a drop of clout. Like, (laughs) (laughs) wow, the internet is a crazy place these days. It truly is just a problem like this. Like this kind of situation could never happen 20 years ago. You know, like that's just what it just wouldn't be possible, I feel. Or it'd be a lot harder before, you know, Twitter was at the place it is or clout was really invented, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's crazy is that account has been active on Twitter since 2009. So, wow. you know, assuming that I'm correct on this and it is a it is a catfish and not a real person and stuff, you know, like I, uh-huh. I'm just speculating off of the random shit that I saw. So, yeah, you know, I could be wrong about some of the details of this, but assuming that it, that it is not a real person, that whole thing's been going on for 12 years. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And honestly, they, they had a good run up until now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it would just be crazy. That person just actually like post a video and be like, OK, I was just sick of dealing with this. I'm real. You know, and be like, oh, shit. Oh, OK, well, never mind then. Everybody that just wasted all their time uh, is just like, oh, I guess I'll just go back to day trading game stock. Stop. Stock. <laughs> I, think, I think at one point they did post a video, but it was like kind of weird and they spelled their own name wrong in the video. Okay. So I, I don't know. There was something with that, too. I, I The whole thing is just ridiculous. But yeah. Wow. That was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Thank you for telling me that story. But I suppose we have for sure lost Matt Gucci now. Yeah. What do you what do you say? Should we get into that? Get into the episode? Let's, let's get into it. So. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with the new art side of, of Mystical Archive. Just the look of them uh, on Historic, on Arena, as well as the secret layer announcement. What, what do you want to start with, BBD? Should we start with the secret layer nonsense? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> okay. All right, so yeah, why don't why don't you you do the honors here? Okay, so the secret layer announcement just dropped today. Um, you know, I just checked it out that Brian sent it to me um a little bit ago, and everything looks like a normal secret layer kind of announcement, except these new cards legitimately look like they are just fresh out of like an album poster. Yeah. You know, like they look like a festival lineup that right underneath where a magic card actually is, it it would just say like different artists that are going to be at this music festival. Um, They really had a crossover of that. So a lot of, um, a lot of artists that design some of these cards, you know, like there's preordained, um, you know, Wrath of God, all these things. A lot of people that designed this were people that actually just worked on posters for like Tool, Grateful Dead, um, a bunch of different, David Bowie, all these things. So it's a really, really interesting crossover. But I, I have to say, they they barely look like magic cards. They do, so I yeah. don't know how to feel about them yet. Oh, yeah. So they look <laughs> awesome. Like, I, I personally yeah. think the Wrath of God in particular looks, like, amazing. Like, I, I just... Yes. I, I mean, I, all of these look really cool. Like, the Nature's Lore looks re- really cool, too. They, they The art is amazing on these. And I think it's, a, like, a really creative and interesting idea to decide to do this. But mm-hmm. I'm in the boat where it's, like... Okay, somebody is playing with this Wrath of God, which does not look like a magic card. And yeah. then the other card in their hand is from the Amonkhet, uh, whatever. Uh, what was the thing in Amonkhet? Do you remember that? The Frexian cards or whatever? 
Oh God, yeah, I don't. The invocation, like the that's God? What it, invocations. Oh yeah, invocations. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like, mm-hmm. you know, they got this wrath of God that looks like this like psychedelic poster. They got this invocation, yeah. and then their next card is like a mystical archive, faithless loot. You know, it's like at that <laughs> yeah. point, it's like it, it's really um, kind of hard to play a game of magic like that because yeah. you're putting the onus on the player who's not playing the cards, the opponent. To have mm-hmm. to be able to remember what every card is at all times, both in play and in somebody's hand, um, mm-hmm. without being able to use the shortcut of just looking at the art and understanding it. Because, like, the- yeah, but to be fair, the the cards do still say what they do. You know, they they look a lot different, and you know, like I'm I'm looking at like nature's lore yeah. right now, and it's in like the the text of the card is written on a tombstone leading up to an owl, and it's in cursive, and legitimately I cannot read it. Like I don't yeah. know what that card does, and I cannot read it. So I, if somebody cast that against me, I'd be like, what in the hell is that? You know, like yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. But like, like preordain, it's pretty clear. You know, it just says scry two, then draw a card. Um, but with that style of art. Yeah, and it, the, just the whole thing is that I think these cards are really cool. Like in on an individual level, like I mm-hmm. I think it's it's really awesome. Like I thought the Amonkhet invocation is really cool too. It's yeah, just it that when you have all this, and these are all cards that are like legal to play in Magic. It, yeah, it's just too much. Like to um to be able to follow if somebody decides to push the limits of it and play as many of these types of want cards as they can and different styles oh, and people of them. Will. Oh, and yeah. people will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to like, I don't know. I guess an example is like, have you ever played a game where your opponent just sharpied on the back of a magic card, every card in their deck, you know, and you're, yes. you, you proxied up a deck that way and you're playing a, a match and or or even on like cockatrice or whatever remember that program and like yeah. didn't have art or anything like yeah i i can't stand that personally yeah but, and your opponent has like you know it's yeah. fine in a normal game of magic but when, like let's say your opponent has 15 permanents in play like three planeswalkers and yeah. four creatures and there's dice and counters and stuff and everything mm-hmm. is just a piece of text or just a picture that you don't recognize it becomes yeah. so incredible like incredibly difficult to understand what what has happening on your opponent's side of the board to the point yeah. where it's kind of debilitating and it almost makes you not able to play the game anymore. And that's yeah, for people I, like that's even for a player like myself, where like I think I'm actually good at being able to parse that kind of stuff, generally speaking. Like imagine like yeah. players who aren't as used to it. Um and and they're but you know, they might be used to some of the cards and looking at the art of them, but not like these weird arts and stuff. I don't know. I think it becomes kind of hard to play magic when there's too much of that but i totally agree um and i I got a couple points like first i think these cards they all seem like they are if i'm seeing this right is it just five of them there's only five of these um of these special cards let's see there's nature's lore wrath of god gamble decree of pain preordain preordain yeah it looks like five yeah so that's fine. These are pretty iconic cards and they are, you know, cards that I would say if, if they're going to see play, it's pretty obvious what they do. Like at Wrath of God, Preordain, these are probably the main ones and those are pretty iconic. Yeah. 
But are, are they really different than, you know, let's say double face cards when they first came out or adventure cards? Like, you know, those looked really weird to us. And were we thinking the same thing back then? Maybe. Were, were we, you know, were we just as outraged by the look on them and then we became used to them? Is it going to be something like that? Are we just old men yelling at clouds here? Or I mean, it's possible. Like, yeah, it, it's possible. It's just it. I don't know. I think. Part of what makes magic, um, I don't want to say the word, not enjoyable, but like part of what makes magic, like have you ever drafted a new format and you've never seen the cards before and you open a pack and it takes you forever to figure out which card to pick because you have to read every card, understand every card. It takes a long time. And then after a while. When I do that, when I'm on stream too, I feel real stupid. It's just (laughs) like I'm trying to concentrate on chat and I don't know what these cards do. So I pick like five of them to read and pick the best one of those. Oh yeah. I mean, I I, I just did a couple of drafts of uh, Strixhaven recently. And the first few times I did it, I was like, that's basically what it was. It was like, okay, this card, I was like, this uncommon looks good. I'm going to take that card and I'm going to try to read as many of these other cards as I can before the time expires, you know? Yeah, that's a product (laughs) of of cards these days are just insane. You know, I've tried, I've done a couple of Strixhaven drafts too and I've enjoyed the format. It's felt really cool. It seems like a good limited format, but yeah, the the learning curve takes a while because it's just, these cards these days just have, you know, a mountain of text. But anyways, coming back to our point, the other thing that, you know, I mean, this is not going to be relatable to a lot of people, but I mean, it will in a sense is just for coverage purposes. You know, yeah. if either if I'm doing coverage or I'm just watching coverage back when we get paper tournaments back, you know, which you know is, is coming up. We're all we're all getting vaccinated. It, it can't be too much longer now. But when we get back to that, it's going to be like, yeah, I see a mystical archive foil card. I see a normal magic card. And then I see one of these posters that's apparently a magic card as well. Like this is going to be tough to figure out those first couple rounds, you know, mm-hmm. and then hopefully after you see them enough, it just was like, yep, yeah, this is that mystical archive. This is that secret layer. But right away, it's going to be confusing for not only the viewer, but definitely the commentators. Yeah, I think it just adds a level of complexity to the game that, c- that can be yeah. maybe too much. And I think Magic's already trending that way with text boxes being so large to where it's <laughs> it's, it's it's becoming harder and harder to parse um, just what Magic cards do. But with that being yeah. said, I don't I don't want to just be a, a straight curmudgeon. I do think these cards are really cool. So I do too. I don't see a problem with them making them. I'm. It's just I. You know, I'm not sure how I feel about so many different kinds of these things being done and so many different styles. If that were to all be put together into one deck, like I would not want to play against that player. So agreed. And all at the same time, I feel like cards come out so often. Now there's these, it used to be like a set would come out and then, you know, two months later, there maybe be a secret layer or like a commander product that for the most part, me and you would just kind of ignore because they're not going to be legal um, in pro events that we would be playing in. Right. But now not only are these kind of additional cards just included in every set that comes out that are going to be played in tournaments, but now there's actually these, you know, supplemental sets that are being printed like Modern Horizon is coming up soon. Um, this secret layer is coming out where, you know, Wrath of God is a historic card that's being played right now. So this, we will be interacting with this if I, if you know, if we were both still playing pro tours and stuff. Yeah. So, so now it's a lot that gets thrown into our world 
um, where it used to just be a commander kind of casual thing. And then maybe I just didn't notice it as much. Yeah, I, I think so. I think like, and people would alter cards too, you know, for tournaments and stuff. So, but yeah, but the one thing I will say is just coming from somebody who's, you know, like number one passion in life on my free time is music. Mm. I, I can totally see the poster kind of, um, the people who work on art for music, for bands, for posters, stuff like that coming into this. And I love that. I love that look. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy about these cards as well, <laughs> but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right if we didn't talk about the aspects that are going to be slightly challenging as well with these. For sure. I, I think the mystical archives, like, I don't want to go into that <laughs> as well, but I, I think that's in the same boat too. I think some of the arts are really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we're going to talk about some decks here in a bit and, <laughs> I was looking at the just the art of the of one of these decks, the Rogue deck, and it took me a very mm-hmm. long time to figure out that this card was Inquisition of Kozilek because I just wasn't used yeah. to the art, and it's kind of mm-hmm. it was a little small on the screen. Um, and I was mm-hmm. looking at it for a while. I was like, "What card is this?" And then I finally figured out, "Oh, it's Inquisition." And now that I'm looking at it, the art is like fucking awesome. Like, I, I it's sick. Yeah, it's so good. Like, I I, I yeah. love that art so much. I'm excited to yeah. play with that card because like partially because of that sweet art, but yeah. I couldn't recognize it as somebody who's played a lot of magic without closer looks. So I don't know. Exactly. And on, honestly, that's the same thing for me. Like I've played maybe 10, 15 hours of historic so far with mystical archives, you know, not, not a ton, yeah. but right away, that's exactly how I felt too. But now I'll, I'll glance at a deck list like this. You know, we're looking at Yuta Takahashi's first place list here with Demir rogues, which I know this list was going to be something that you were going to be hyped on. Mm. And I look at the three cards in there for Mystical Archive, and I can very much determine that it's Brainstorm, Memory Lapse, Inquisition right away. And and that's kind of why I feel like these uh, secret layer cards will just be completely fine because it'll just take a couple of times of looking at it and be like, okay, that's what that is. I, I get it now. My brain has realized that. Um, and it's all good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have no yeah. fear of anything being weird and historic. It's mostly just like, I guess, once Paper Magic kind of roars back. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if this kind of trend continues, like there's just going to be some point in time where I, I don't know. I feel like it might just be a little <laughs> too much, but we'll see. I totally agree. But now we got to get to the other part of the oh, yeah. secret layer announcement, which I <laughs> do think is too much. This is probably the craziest thing ever. Brian brought this to my attention before the podcast, and I'm like, this can't, this cannot be real. There is, instead of full art lands, which I have full art lands hanging on, hanging in my house right now, framed, yeah. these full uh, full art uh, unglued lands. I love them. I love the look on them. But now we have full text land oh, brian yeah. do you want to walk us through what this is <laughs> absolutely and i honestly and the story behind it i did it's not so think good. it was real either like i thought this was I still don't fake. it could still be <laughs> fake i honestly Whoa. um but yeah there's a, a twitter account called the hard drive which is uh i believe kind of like the onion for gaming um okay kind of fake news not you know satire or whatever like sure um and I don't know the context exactly. I'm kind of guessing based on uh, their tweet storm here, but yeah, I they they 
beta tweet that said remember when magic the gathering gave us cards to reveal and told us they were going to be really awesome and it just ended up being five basic lands apparently they feel bad and are going to let us redeem ourselves holy shit i'm so excited to do a real card reveal this time so (laughs) i'm assuming that the hard drive was that at the same time that they revealed these cards or was that like a week before uh that was earlier today okay okay so um and and a lot of the comments were like uh you know like i'm i'm waiting for them to just be lands again you know like that's what a lot of the comments were expecting that to be the case um (laughs) and so forth and so they're like yeah this is going to be so sick they have like a uh message from wizards of the coast that's probably fake but it says uh last time we gave you cards with no text this time yeah it's going to be a lot of text um or whatever like they're making this whole big deal out of it and it's just it ends up being just five basic lands again but they're (laughs) instead of being full art lands with no text they're no art lands with full text so the card like let's look at the island card you need to read one of these because they're unbelievable so it just says (laughs) island at the top where like the top of a magic card would be and then right under it is the text box no art at all (laughs) Basic land island. This card's name is island. Basic is its super type. Land is its card type. And island is its subtype. A deck may contain any number of basic land cards with the same name. You may play this card during a main phase of your turn while the stack is empty and you have priority. You may not play this card if it is not your turn or if you do not have any land plays remaining. While on the battlefield, this card is a basic island permanent. Because it has the subtype island, this permanent has the intrinsic mana ability tap colon add blue this ability can be activated anytime you have priority or are prompted to pay mana but only while island is on the battlefield to activate it pay its cost tap the tap symbol denotes tapping a permanent by rotating at 90 degrees it is then tapped and cannot be tapped again until it is untapped once the cost is paid you add one blue mana denoted by the island symbol which may then be spent immediately or left unspent for later use as each phase or step of a turn ends you lose any remaining unspent mana and I, the thing I love the most about this is under all these basic land types it just says the full text land is available in both foil and non-foil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want I want some foil all text islands in my deck. Let's go. Yeah. I I think this is so unbelievably absurd. Like this is yeah. like the most absurd thing that they've done. If this is real and I'm still not 100% convinced it's real, but if this is yeah. real, I absolutely love these so much. Like I yeah. This is exactly my kind of like stupid absurdist humor of just like, oh, there's full text or or there's um, full art this and full art this and full art these. It's like, how is a full text? (laughs) So full text basic lands, yeah. This is just hilarious to me. And I just love that both of our sense of humors are the same on this where we're both like, Ah, these new cards that are like really cool art. Like, I don't know. This could get to be a little bit too much. And then we're like basic land islands that are full text. Be like, yes. I just picture that Marshall meme where it's just like all these new card um, things where he's like pushing his hand away. Like, oh, yeah. And then it's just like full text lands <laughs> and then just pointing to that and be like, yep, that's us right now. Oh, yeah. God, this is so <laughs> absurd. I can't believe that. 
if you that's honestly real, think yeah. it's real? Because I honestly, I, I think it is as well, but it it would make so much sense if it's not real. I, do, I think it actually is real. I, a number of people were, I asked a couple of people and they were telling me it's real and I, I think it might be real, but yeah. um, I, and I really kind of hope it's real because I, I, I actually want to get these if they are, so. I, I have to, I have to get them as well. Just, it, but honestly, just think about like, you know, cracking a fabled passage to put this into play for the first time at a tournament. People are going to be like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Yeah, exactly. Like, my island. <laughs> I can't wait to play this on turn one. Just fucking yeah. full text go. And people are just look at you and yeah. they just shake their head. They're just like, you and honestly, please get the help. Thing that's, like, yeah, the thing that's the funniest is somebody that's never read this announcement and they're like, oh, I'll just play this land and say go. And they're like, oh, can I see that one? And then they just like, you know, five minutes later, I'm just like, what did I just read? You know, like what it, is this a real magic card? Like you'd have to explain it to a couple of people per tournament, I imagine. Oh, for sure you would. Yeah, you'd have to. <laughs> it's totally not worth it for that reason of having to explain it to every one of your opponents. What the hell is happening? Yeah. But I would still do it anyway. So, but it's also so worth it for that exact reason. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough bridge to cross over, but it is all right. That <laughs> that's enough of the uh, art side of lands. Unless Brian, you got anything else to add about uh, the art side? Now nah, let's jump into the actual historic decks. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, Inside Esports, uh, one of our good buds of the of the podcast and my stream. Had an event last weekend that was taken down by Yuta Takahashi, um, who is my actual kryptonite in Pro Tours. Did you know this, Brian? I think I've probably told this on the cast before. I thought I didn't, I didn't think that was Yuta. I thought that was somebody else. Well, I, I do have a few. Okay. I do have a few, but but Yuta was my first loss of uh at my at a Pro Tour um of the last round of the tournament where I was playing like fairies and uh Yuta was playing uh Revel Arc. Okay. And it's like a good matchup for me. And and he's beaten me quite a bit as well throughout. But you know what? I got so many Pro Tour nemesis because I just lost so often. <laughs> same, same. But, <laughs> but anyways, Utah Takahashi took it down with Demir Rogues. And the big change was adding Inquisition of Kozilek, Memory Lapse, and Brainstorm from Mystical Archive. No other new cards when it comes to just Strixhaven. But these changes made a lot of sense, and Utah did um, kind of give a shout-out to Kyle Bogamus, who had a list pretty similar to this, already made a few days before that, but um, Kyle was playing Thoughtseize instead of Inquisition. And it made a lot of sense why Inquisition was chosen over this, because you're not really worried about those four, five, six-mana plays with rogues because that's when you have counter magic open you know all you want to worry about is just the pelt collectors you know the the other two mana aggressive things um and stuff like that and i think this deck was really well built and i think memory memory lapsing spells and then attacking with a merfolk wind robber or something is probably one of the most disgusting things ever that it's just one colorless one blue counter spell yeah i i do yeah. think that this deck looks incredible um yeah I will say that uh, I know Mike Braverman in our Discord had been playing Rogues for a while too and Historic. So, okay. but yeah, getting getting access to Brainstorm, Memory Lapse, and uh, Inquisition are just uh, three massive power level boosts to this deck. Um, yeah, I mean, there's Br Brainstorm as we already know is is kind of a disgusting Magic card. 
Um, but yeah, what you're saying is true. Like now the deck effectively has eight hard counters for two mana, which which is like really powerful. I mean, Counterspell was in Mystical Archive and they banned it in Historic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because they thought Counterspell was too good. But this deck plays eight copies of it. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, Memory Lapse a little bit worse than Counterspell in that uh, you're not always going to have the rogue to, to mill the top of their deck. But in some cases, mm-hmm. better, because in some cases, tempoing your opponent out is actually viable, you know, through that. Like some, there's going to be times where you where you memory lapse a spell and you actually don't want to mill them because you want them to draw it again. Like, yeah, no, I, I played this on versus live right uh, on this Tuesday show when we played a little historic. And, uh, you know, I was playing against some some aggro deck Ross is playing and like he just drew for the turn handless and just played like a, you know, Luminarch Aspirin or something. And I'm like, yeah, you can keep drawing that card. And I just didn't attack with Merfolk, Wind Robber, or my Soaring Thought Thief just to tempo out. I had another Memory Lapse waiting and then an Into the Story. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want you to draw like some Haymaker spell. Like, you know, I, I can't even really remember what he was playing, but, you know, they, it could be a lot worse what he could draw besides this bad creature. Um, but that's the thing is you get the choice, which makes it just even better than Counterspell, to be honest, in this deck. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. this deck looks like, I mean, Rogue was already a deck that kind of looked like an older format deck. A lot of really cheap mm-hmm. creatures that, that you know, have a little bit of a punch above their mana cost. Um, mm-hmm. And then a lot of cheap interaction uh, and, and some powerful card draw. But now it really pl- like looks that role with, with Brainstorm Inquisition and Memory Lapse added to it. Yeah, and Brainstorm is one card that it was like, it was fine. It was just fine. I think out of all the new cards, Brainstorm was by far the worst for me in my small sample size of playing it on the show and then a little bit of ladder play. You have Fabled Passage where it's insane, but outside of that, you don't have Polluted Deltas. You don't have Flooded Strands. You don't have these sack lines that make it really busted, but being able to brainstorm on turn five find into the story and cast it is kind of that disgusting play when you don't have fabled passage but outside of that it's just a glorified op sometimes yeah so i i feel like that is the weaker of the new cards i i i agree with that um mm-hmm. i think i think honestly like thought scour if thought scour was legal in this format it would make brainstorm so much better thought scour yeah. would also just be a card that would that would be very good in this deck too so yeah, no, that would be, or of course, fetch lines. Fetch lines would make brainstorm disgusting, yeah. but then we're just in legacy again. So that's, you know, a completely different world. But one thing I want to ask you, Brian, because I know you play a good amount of rogues in standard. Like if his historic, the one reason this deck did extremely well is because you don't see an escape card ever, you know, because that's not something you're really worrying about. Do you think this deck is still going to be as good when people start adding clings, start adding escape cards, because you've told me before, like these, some of these escape cards just weren't that big of a deal, but sometimes it is pretty bad. What what do you think about that? Well, I think the card Graph Digger's Cage goes a long way. Oh, I'll say oh, that. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. Any escape card, you just shut down. Oh, okay. Wow. That is uh that is quite the next level play there. Just play your own cages, even though you can't use Luris. Right. Um, so I wonder, do you just I I guess you just whatever, if you draw the cage, you just don't, you know, pay the Luris companion and put it into play. But that cost is probably worth it um against other escape cards. And you have the joy 
in most of these MTG Melee events and these Inside Esport events that it's open deckless. So you just get to know. Yep. Yeah. One of the really cool things, too, is that you can actually play Grafdigger's Cage from your own graveyard with Luris. So <laughs> that in, just seems wrong. <laughs> in the world where you have a Luris and a Cage in play, if your opponent kills your Cage, you could just play Cage again. Yeah, and I mean, that world isn't too crazy to think of, you know? No. Any red deck is going to play a braid yep. already for your rogues. And, you know, if you can make that play and stop them from bringing back oxes, it still seems great. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, that was the winner of the tournament. Let's move on uh, to another deck here. Second place, I thought... It's it's not the most interesting deck, but it was a deck that did decent before Strixhaven, and it's actually the only deck that has a real Strixhaven card that isn't from the Mystical Archive. And this is just Celestia Company um, by Francisco Sanchez, and just took it down with four Elite Spellbinders, you know, Skyclave Apparitions, a bunch of scavenging oozes, Archon of Emeria. It just really feels like a green-white hate bearer collected company list. Yeah. Um, which looked pretty sweet. And a lot of people that are just messing around with shit for week one, this deck's gonna punish. Yeah, I mean it's it 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 looks like a pretty underpowered deck to me, but mm -hmm. it does have a lot of play to it. And I, I think the combination of Skyclave Apparition and Elite uh, Spellbinder are just mm -hmm. really powerful effects, especially in Historic. Um, probably going to be a lot more powerful than they would be in Standard. So I, I think that this deck yeah. can do some cool things. I would not expect it to be a deck that I think will have a lot of legs going long in this format, but who knows? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I know like what Numat the Nummy played it at one of the league one of the league weekends. So like this was a, a deck that made it to the pro to the pro level to one of your league weekends, but you know, it wasn't anything that took over or anything. But Brian, I do gotta point something out to you. We're looking at this deck list right now at MTG Melee, and you might say it's not that powerful, but that special art card that we're looking at is actually Lana War Elf. So it, it is busted. <laughs> that is true. You, yeah. you, you, were, you were, you know, messed up by the <laughs> alternate art Lana War Elf, um, you know, just like the Mystical Archive cards and stuff like that. That's what three for a loop, right? Yeah, Lana War Elves is a messed up <laughs> card. I will, I will give you yeah. that. <clears throat> Granted, I think it is... Uh, a lot more egregious and standard than older formats, but yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy about this deck. But did take second, and I think went something like uh, uh, I think I had a, like ten and two, ten and two or something. So it still had just an unbelievable record, um, but could not beat, could not beat uh, Utah <laughs> with Demir Rogues. And honestly, that makes sense. I don't see this deck beating Rogues. Ever. same it looks like it's pretty ever <laughs> i wouldn't say ever but it, it does look like it has quite a bad matchup against rogues it's just a generic creature yeah. deck without without a lot of interaction rogues yeah. is designed to prey on those kinds of decks um and mm. I, i'm not surprised that this deck did well this weekend though because this deck does look like the kind of deck that would be very good against random bs decks that people are playing so yeah yeah it's proactive. It it does powerful things. Collected Company is a hell of a card. Uh, the Great Henge is a hell of a card. It makes sense how they cheesed out some wins. Oh, for sure. 
Next up, we got Arnie Hushenbeth. Um, you know, Arnie Hushenbeth just won the Keltime Championship, if you haven't seen that. Uh, I would say most famous for making all of us simultaneously scream at our uh, monitor when he did that play where he stacked a removal spell, then countered something so that he could then cling away an ox. I, I was jumping up and down. It was the last time I was that, you know, animated towards a screen was actually with you we were we have, i believe we were just in a hotel in nashville we were just like playing some magic watching the finals of of one of the pro tours back in the day and it was unfortunately that hazard play against paulo oh yeah where, oh yeah I, I remember both of us were just like watching a train wreck you know about to unfold right in front of our face this was for a good reason that i was excited because this play was awesome and i didn't see it at all but um, it, it was pretty great. And Arnie is an unbelievable magic player. Ended up taking six in this tournament with a, with a new take on Jeskai Control. This, this deck is really just made possible because of Strixhaven. We have another Strixhaven card of Prismari Command and then Magma Opus. Um, if y'all haven't checked this out, Magma Opus is six colorless, blue-red. Deal four damage, divide it as you choose. Tap two things, draw two cards, make a 4-4. Four, four. Does your shopping for you, does your laundry. You know, the card really just does everything. You know. If you can cast Subscribe it. Yeah. to the Bash Rose Podcast Patreon, like. It's not that good. Oh, okay. It's not, not that, that good. good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they had to nerf it. Once it was doing that, too, they were like, was, okay, this card original, literally does everything. That was the original version yeah. before play design got involved. Um, yeah. One thing I want to point out about that play that you're talking about with the uh, stacking the removal spell is, yeah. um, you know, that play kind of actually has an interesting history and in that Yuta Takahashi actually posted um, about a legacy mm, uh, board state that he had where he won in a really creative way using surgical extraction um, and in and, and a similar yes. fashion. And it kind of like became a sick thing. It was almost like a puzzle where it's like, what's the play? Um, yeah. And he had a really, really sick play where his, he was playing against storm stacked a fetch land or something, right? He like, stacked his own fetch land so that he could surgical yeah. extraction a past in flames before the opponent could, flash it back so he went his opponent um played past in flames and he had a counter mm -hmm. spell and a surgical extraction but if he counters the past in flames the opponent had a, a ton of mana can just immediately uh -huh. flash it back and then he loses so yeah. what he did yeah, was because you don't get priority for that right you, know? you won't get priority yeah. again so what he ended up doing was cracking a fetch land then countering the past in flames before the fetch land resolved so now yep. Fast and Flames is in the graveyard, but the fetch line is still in the stack, and then he surgical uh to, to get yeah. rid of it. And that that was a, a really heads up awesome play. Um and it I don't know, it's just really cool to me that that came full circle again in that in that um set championship uh for yeah. for Arne. And, and I, I thought Arne played incredible that tournament with rogues. Um I know yeah. I play a ton of rogues and um I didn't watch all the matches, but I watched some of them and I thought he was playing like certainly beyond the level that I play the deck. Um, I thought he played yeah, incredibly was well. So was just playing so patient at every stop. And I, I so many times I was just like, you know, this this seems like 
you're playing a little patient. You're giving your opponent these outs to find these escape cards instead of trying to close the game. And then five turns later, I'm like, oh, he shut every door now. You know, like it's it's it. It's over. You know, so, yeah, really great work um, by the Keltime uh, champion here. But just did it again um, when it came to this Inside Esports event. Took Sith, took sixth, did pretty well. And um, getting back to this deck list here, Magma Opus Prismari Command is kind of the new things that have unlocked this. You still play Teferi, you still play Narset. We get Lightning Helix, which is just an upgrade to other removal spells, a few counter spells here and there. But bringing back Magma Opus with Torrential Gear Hulk and being able to do it as soon as, I guess, I mean, you could you could piece it together where they can probably do it on turn four, but pretty consistently on turn five using yeah. that treasure from Magma Opus um, to just have that spell that is pretty much going to annihilate any creature matchup. And, you know, you, you pair this against rogues or something and maybe it's not going to be as easy um, as it as it would be against aggressive decks. But a really cool looking deck, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that that's like just a super powerful combination magma opus creates a treasure mm -hmm. that treasure gives you the ability to play gear hulk in earlier turn and now you're flashing back an eight mana spell with your gear hulk so mm -hmm. yeah or, or even better yet like it's it, it seems like the better line for this deck is like on turn three at your end step your opponent really didn't do anything like cycle sensor discard magma opus turn four to fairy hero of dominaria draw a card maybe interact and then on turn five with the Teferi untap trigger, then you can gear Hulk as well. And, and then you have a Teferi on top of it. That's probably, you know, um, a little bit closer of the of the nut draw and of a pretty consistent draw. They play four gear Hulks, they play four um Teferis. And that just seems really sick. Yep. That's way that I mean I yeah. didn't I didn't mean think about that, but yeah, that I mean that's yeah. that's a high power version of that line for sure. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it and takes... if we want to go real crazy, we can just be like, all right, discard treasure on two, discard tr or Prismari command on three, and then just gear Hulk on four. Um, but, you know, you know that, those are the kind of nut draws if you really want to be doing some crazy stuff with this deck. I think you can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, this is a teamer deck um, by G. Cohen. I'm sorry. I'm probably butchering that first name there. Uh, G U I um, Cohen played another Gear Hulk deck, another Magma Opus deck, and this was actually like this kind of deck popped up a lot in the Hooglin Open, which was the day before this. So I think people kind of refined the list and then brought it to this Insight thing, or just straight copied some of them. I'm sure, um, but just another another Gear Hulk Magma Opus deck, but this one is definitely more flashy, a lot more counter spells, a ton of rewinds, and then Night Pack Ambusher. Um, which I think is kind of smart. And this is the main reason why I audibled to Gruul is because I saw so many decks like this and I was going to just play a supercharged Sultai deck, you know, that ridiculous emergent ultimatum deck that um, Team Pantheon, I guess it's still Pantheon, like LSV in them. The Brent Voss deck from from League Weekend. Yeah, the like when you, the version mm -hmm. of Sultai ultimatum that actually wins the game when you cast it instead of just doing really cool things. Exactly. Yeah. With the final parting scholar, all that stuff. Yep. And, uh, you know, with the new cards, you get brainstormed to manipulate your deck a little bit. You know, you can you can do kind of silly things with Golos where you brainstorm on turn four Golos to shuffle away a card. You also have cultivate. And then I even did a few cool things where you can just 
with Brainstorm specifically, where you have Golos in play, eight mana, you Brainstorm, put two Emergent Ultimatums on top, activate Golos, um, and and just get to put those cards, or just play those cards for free. Um, but that was one of the main things. And then you just get Time Warp as another avenue of attacking for Emergent Ultimatum. You know, it's kind of unneeded because you do just win the game with the plan already, but you get to go Time Warp, All Runs Epiphany, uh, omniscience or whatever and guarantee you get to take another turn yeah yeah so it makes sense why those decks didn't really do good because these flash strategies it seemed like a nightmare so i'm like i don't want to be playing against these night pack ambusher decks so i audible to gruel and i did not enjoy myself at all that sounds correct that sounds like what yeah. i would expect <laughs> for somebody who audible to gruel i could have told you not to play gruel so <laughs> yeah i did a lot of burning tree emissaries into stomp you yeah oh, your turn. Classic. that's a classic right there <laughs> burning tree emissary to stomp you I, i'm also a big fan of of burning tree emissary into burning tree emissary into go classic, <laughs> another classic line um, yeah, or if you really want to supercharge it, Burning Tramissary into Burning Tramissary into Pelt Collector. Yeah, well, that was like the highlight for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh god, you have to even use your green mana. You lucky, lucky dog. I know, I know. It's pretty wild. This uh, this teamer deck looks cool to me. I I'm skeptical of it mostly because everything costs four mana. Like, yeah. it, it seems like you kind of almost like gross spiral or bust kind of deck. Not necessarily. I mean, you have other, yeah. you have a couple of other cheap plays. But largely yeah. growth spiral um, to get you to turn four faster so you can play your Frilled Mystic, Night Pack Ambusher, Rewinds, or whatever. It, it's kind of like yeah. the good draw of the deck. It also feels like kind of a play draw dependent deck. Sensor on the play, yeah. really good. Sensor on the draw, not always that Whatever. good. So. Yeah, and like there's Magma Opus as another two drop, you know, to make a treasure, but that's yeah. not very good. You know, you're losing a card. You're paying two mana for a Lotus Petal. Like that's that's not great. Like I honestly, I'm with you. I would rather see like instead of some of these brazen borrowers to just like play explore. You know, it seems so important to ramp um, <laughs> with this style of deck to get to four mana immediately that it, it seems like you should max out on those or maybe even... Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what. Maybe add some Brainstorm, some Cultivate or something. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this deck. But it, it, it is cool, and a lot of these lists did have some success. Yeah. I mean, I, I do still think the Magma Opus Gearhawk shell is really strong. So, you yeah. know, I, 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 I think you can build around that shell and have a really good deck um, mm -hmm. just based on that, so... But you would say the Jeskai deck you would like more as far as the Gear Hulk Magma Opus plan? I'm not sure. Um, I, yeah. I do like that. I like what you said about Teferi. Like, that excites me. Yeah. Um, in general, I'm not super thrilled about control decks. I, I feel like they get exploited pretty easily. I like that this mm. one's super proactive mm. um, in some regards. Um, I, I kind of like that this Teamer deck is actually a, a more proactive deck. Uh, yeah. than the Jeskai one. So I actually kind of like the game plan of the Teamer deck more than Jeskai. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm thrilled about exactly the build of this version of the deck, but I do Same. like its game plan a little bit more, I think. Um, and also Sublime Epiphany, I think, is like... I, I don't know if I want to say a must-play, but it's so <laughs> disgusting with team, with uh, Torrential Gearhulk that it's... yeah, it, it feels like you have to play... Like, I don't know... I. 
just every time I've played against Gear Hulk decks and they've had Sublime Epiphany, some of the things that card can do in combination with Gear Hulk is just really gross. So yeah, and I think uh, some of the really cool interactions that we get from another Strixhaven card of just Prismari Command being able to draw two, discard two, the Faithless Looting ability, make a treasure to kind of crank out and discard Sublime Epiphanies and then play Gear Hulk later. Like, that's just insane, yeah. you know? So I, I'm pretty surprised that it's only one and one of this list. And anybody can go to mtgmelee.com, uh, check out some of these historic decks if you want to follow along with this. But yeah, I, I think this list is interesting and I keep just trying to think of ways why Brazen Borrower is even in this deck and I just cannot think of a good reason. Like, it just seems so bad to me. Yeah, it doesn't look... I mean, it, it is a Flash creature that plays into the Flash yeah. theme, but... I'm with you on that. It doesn't look like a, a and it's interaction on two. Like I, yeah. I think it's it's just a generically powerful card. But I agree, it's not really mm-hmm. fitting the theme that well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not like super thrilled. Like Prismari Command looks kind of low power level to me. It looks more of a synergy card. I tend to not enjoy yeah. playing cards like that that much. I will say that it does have Same. incredible synergy with these. A magma opus gearhawk stuff but just on power level mm-hmm. alone i'm not i'm not in love with that card same it's not card advantage you know it's the same as faithless looting um you know even if you're just getting a treasure that's a one-time use the the card isn't great that's for sure I, it's nothing i'm too excited to play either all right and the last deck i really want to talk about here brian is almost talking about it as in what a fail it was and that was the best placing deck was David Lascar playing Blue Red Phoenix. You know, the the talk of the town, essentially, the Faithless Looting uh, monster. You know, the deck where Faithless Looting is supposed to shine, bring back some arc lights and attack. And uh, I don't think it did very well. I didn't see the win percentages of this deck, but it could not have been that great. Yeah, I mean, it it looks like it should be super powerful with Brainstorm and Faithless Looting. Yeah. and I, I'm, you know, I think Phoenix is a deck that'll probably have have legs in this format, just on the power level of those. But even not to flyer, it doesn't have legs. It still has legs. They just are in the air. <laughs> little little chicken flying legs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it right. still we'll counts. Still counts legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. Uh, now I just don't even know what I was saying. I don't even know what I was saying anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I, I threw you off. I threw you off. Oh, it was you the, threw it was me all... off, but fortunately I can fly, so. <laughs> yes, it was all, it was that Faithless Looting art. That's what really threw you off, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think, um, <laughs> not to get down the art path again, but um, yeah. I think a lot of the Mystical Archive art's really cool, and that faithless looting art is not for me i'll say it's not my style yeah but um i think it's really awesome that they did that like you know i don't know yeah something different you know art subjective so like if you say you don't like it i say i don't like it somebody's just like no you just don't get it you know that this is really really cool because it art is just exactly that some people like something something some people don't so i i wouldn't say it's my cup of tea either but uh, you know, it is definitely interesting, and the more doors we open for cool art cards, you know, the, the better. You know, not every piece of art on every card is going to really be awesome for everyone, um, but as long as it's it makes someone happy, that's all that matters. Absolutely. 
All right, well, I think that's really all I got here, uh, unless you got anything else to add, Brian. I mean, I just want to say that this was just the first tournament of, of Historic. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of saw that Rogue seemed to be the dominant deck for the first week. Um, There was a lot of cool things with Magmopus and Gearhulk, yep. you know, some other things going on too, but... I think Mystical Archives has, I mean, some of the most powerful cards in recent Magic history, or even just Magic history mm-hmm. in general, um, that th- I would hardly guess that this is, you know, an end point of historic <laughs> yeah. or even anything close to that. Like, there's just yeah. so many cards out here that I think have incredible potential. Um, for example, Faithless Looting seems to be absent from this this tournament that we're looking at um yeah i mean besides that is it phoenix list which took like ninth or something i don't know in front of me but yeah, yeah it wasn't great i mean ninth isn't a bad finish like yeah but yeah yeah like i i think that you know faithless looting incredibly powerful card kind of absent um from these decks that we're looking at mizix's mm-hmm. mastery which is a card apparently it's from commander set I thought it was a new card yeah. they made specifically for Mystical Archive because I'd never seen it before. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But that card is really powerful. I mean, that lets you cast yeah. any instant or sorcery out of your graveyard for four mana. That really yes. t- supercharges a, a lot of powerful cards. And uh, the overload is is pretty is is all incredibly powerful as well. Um, some mm-hmm. of the storm cards like Grape Shot or Minus Desire, those ones m- might be a little tougher to get to work in historic because. Yeah, without any ramp ritual like cards. Right. I mean, there's uh, Bolas yeah. of Citadel, but that's not always reliable. Yep. But yeah, I would say that I, I think there's a lot left to be learned for Historic. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm kind of expecting cards like Faithless Looting to be a dominant for, like part of the format. A little surprised yeah. to see it not really be a big impact uh, week one, so... Yeah, but you said it right. You know, week one, a lot of things are going to change. But so far, I got to give some kudos to uh, Wizards. The format is super fun. I've played a decent amount of it. You know, the limited formats have just been all kind of home runs. I only truly dove in for Cal Time, and I've been dipping my feet for Strixhaven. And I've loved those, but, you know, from everybody else's talk... For the last however long, the limited sets have been awesome. You know that we can we can definitely talk about how standard it had a little bit too much of overpowered cards and thrown and stuff like that. And standard is is meh right now. It's nothing too different. But historic's great. Limited's great. Modern continues to still be great. Like I think Magic's at a really good spot, and I'm excited for you know I'm excited to play these tournaments up until the next set we got is Modern Horizon Two. And honestly, right now Modern is the is the the format that I think needs a little shakeup. You know, it's these Heliod Company decks, these Prowess decks that are kind of dominant, and I I'm ready for another just absolute modern you know upheaval hopefully it's not at hogak level and it's just at like cool urza decks and stuff like that but uh that next set will be pretty interesting yeah i mean i don't want to talk about it as i i helped work on it so i don't want to accidentally give away anything but um, oh yeah i forgot about that yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that modern horizons 2 is really cool i mean i have no idea what the final yeah. product looks like um, I think yeah. I think I don't know I don't even know where we fell into the process um in terms of yeah. the work we did. Or like, if they even used any of the cards you had guys actually finished on and stuff, right? Yeah, so I have no idea what the final set 
is going to look like. But I, I'm excited yeah. for it, and and I hope it. I hope it's cool. I hope it's it's fun and not Hogak. But you know, <laughs> who really knows? So. Um, so are you hinting at that there's a card named not Hogak and it's just, you know, uh, completely different? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be fun. I would love to, to sp spoil Hogak. So this time they're asking you to spoil not Hogak. So. Yeah, this time you, they're spoiling. You get to spoil all the basic lands with no art right. this time. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I would be excited to uh, see my baby. Uh, set I worked on come to come to light. I think that'd be really fun. So um, that's going to do it for this week's special episode without my brother from just another mother, same father. But now I had to, you know, just make do with my brother from another mother and yet another father as well. So many mothers so, and fathers. It's a lot. It's getting to be a lot. Yeah, we got to call this like the Family Bros podcast or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to get to the casting crew. And for those of y'all that don't know, the casting crew is people that pay us to do jobs. And, um, you know, we, we got a lot of fun, a lot of fun people out there that some some people have actually just been doing these jobs, Brian, like Mangucci's um, timestamp finder. Legitimately, we get the timestamp of when we would lose Mangucci every single time, and that's just hilarious. That is great, yeah. So good. So our <laughs> cast and crew is uh, is a tier level up for our, the Bash Bros Patreon, and mm -hmm. uh, if you join that tier, you get to become a member of our cast and crew, uh, where you pay us to work for us, um, yep. and, and we will assign you or work with you to... Uh, have a role uh, on our casting crews uh -huh. to make sure that this podcast is operational. So, yeah, you keep it afloat. So we do love y'all. If you want to be a part of it, you can go to patreon.com slash Bash Bros podcast uh, and sign up. Um, but yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. One last announcement before you go. If you are a part of the patron, we were going to be doing Among Us today um, for all our patron people. But with uh, Brad not feeling up to the podcast, we delayed it to see if maybe he would be feeling a little better to record with us today. Still wasn't up to it. So, you know, thoughts and prayer to the big bro that he's better for next week because toothaches suck. But that uh, Among Us thing is going to be happening either next week or the week after. So if you're into that and want to just see how absolutely awful I am at Among Us, Brian, it's it's bad. I That is a tough game when you play with people that have been playing a lot and you have not. Corey, time marches yeah. on. Yeah, because marches I on. think by the time this podcast comes out, <laughs> wouldn't the Among no. Us thing have already been yesterday? Wasn't it no, that... You clearly were not listening to my spiel because I said it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Technically yesterday from the podcast. Yeah, because but it won't you're be saying happening. today. Oh. You're saying today, but today is Thursday. This podcast is coming out on Friday. That's already in the past. They'll already have known that it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> See, Brian, I want to apologize to you for something because I was just thinking you weren't <laughs> listening to me, but instead you were just completely, you know, derailing me and trolling me. And that we encourage here, right. but, you know, not <laughs> listening. That's not cool. I actually so, listened bad, so buddy, closely to you <laughs> that I was able to pick apart every word you said that was wrong. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's honestly what I do uh, on this podcast to Brad 24-7. So, you know what? I'm glad we can still at least do it to ourselves, see, even if we don't have the big bro. At least the legacy's still alive. All right. So our first, yeah. first <laughs> cast member is uh, Joshua, who is BBD's male pattern baldness support group leader. 
And I'm going to say that um, I recently got a fresh shave of my, my head, freshly shaved bald. So uh, shout out to Josh. I didn't want to wow. roll into um, my COVID shot with a, uh, with a with the skullet with a skullet growing out so <laughs> that, you know weird to say this but that was literally the first time i was actually stressed out about doing it not because i'm worried about getting the vaccine but because yeah. it was literally the first time that i've been in a like group of people like interacting yeah. like that in over a year and it just felt it was so weird like i like even a grocery store did you just get like all your stuff delivered I, I kind get of thing everything or? delivered i haven't been in a grocery yeah. store okay. in like a year it's i haven't been in any store in over a year i i bought everything online yeah. so yeah that's fair and honestly i probably you know could have been a little safer in that department where like we still went to the grocery store you know a little bit of didn't want to pay the 20 bucks or whatever but a little bit of just trying to feel a little bit of normal you know like of yeah. course we were so socially distanced and wearing masks and safe and all that stuff but that i kind of needed was just to like see other people you know but yeah i totally get it all right, um, next up, we got Bino Gatista. Mm. And Bino, of course, got another promotion here. And that's actually Brad's dentist. Yeah. So <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna be pissed at anyone for Brad not being on this week's podcast, blame Bino. I think Bino must not have done a great job. Probably just took out some other teeth and you know, maybe maybe did something up in there. Yeah, I don't think he has a license. In dentistry. I'm a little confused. No, I, I know he doesn't, actually. Yeah. He was just in prison for the longest time <laughs> before this. He was so, in prison yeah. for quite some time. So. <laughs> oh, wait, that's his brother. That was his oh, brother. Oh, that's Gino never mind. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Scratch that. All right, next up, we got <laughs> S. Cerruti, and that is our business analyst. Um, yeah. So yep. I... I Gotta commend Saruti on a, on a job well done. Uh, I will say that mm. our business is properly analyzed, but For the sure. analysis is not promising. So yeah, yeah, we have the information, but it's not good. No, but it is not. Anyways. Something that is good is Inside Esports. That is our esports event organizer on MTG Melee. And once again, Inside Esports is knocking it out of the park. Fun events, really doing some cool stuff. And uh, like I was saying in the pre-show, more historic action uh, this weekend. So check them out. You know who else is knocking it out of the park? Ian Pasella, BBP's leading pastafarian. Mm, yeah. Do love me some pasta. Not great for the old COVID-15, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. A little side story here. I I was like on my way home from Versus Live, right? Uh, Rob was giving... Our director was giving me and Ross a ride home. And, uh, you know, I we stopped at a grocery store. Rob had to pick some stuff up. And I was like, I looked over at Firehouse Subs. I'm like, I, I could really use a sub right now. But you know what? I have this leftover Olive Garden that me and Tori ordered out from like four days ago, I'm like, I'm just going to eat that chicken Alfredo. And I came home and she ate it for lunch. So then I ended up grub hubbing firehouse subs. I knew it was all coming back to firehouse one way or another. It was all coming back. So yeah, Tori, if you're listening to this, how dare you? Okay. That's all I got to say. So next up, we got Wapa and that is Brad's personal barista and personal dog walker. But still, as always, refuses to take bbd on a walk you know and yeah i guess i can't really blame wapa yeah you seem like you wouldn't walk you know like like 
you know, like I try to walk Henry like a good dog and he doesn't walk good. You know, he just kind of don't, you know, bolts in different directions and stuff. I feel like you'd be the same. You just kind of go your own way. Yeah, Wapa was not a fan of me shitting on everyone's mailboxes in the neighborhood when he was walking uh, the last time. <laughs> yeah, see, I was pretty okay with that when we were like pro tour testing. So I guess that's where me and Wapa differ. Yeah, you know, different, different, like you were saying about the art thing, you know, different people mm-hmm. have different, you know, preferences. So, all right. We yeah, got, I think that's the same. Yeah, I think exactly <laughs> the same thing. All right, we got to add him. That is our ghost writer. Uh, Adham has actually uh, written every episode of the Bash Bros podcast. Uh, yeah, but we've done the production on them, and we get all the credit. So exactly, and all the fame, yeah. really. Yeah, but it's all Adham. Uh, next up, another key member of the podcast, David Watt. This week, you know, we didn't get a special guest, but David Watt is always all about safety. You know, safety protocols. So if if the person, you know, follows every COVID protocol to get us a special guest, but also really, really concerned about that 17% win rate. And this, this time, just our special guest that we really had lined up did not meet the requirements. So good job. David is always hammering that 17%. He is. I mean, I gotta say, you know, like it took a lot of work, a lot of business analysts coming together to tell us 17% was the baseline (laughs) But David Watt is a stickler for 17%. Yeah. If you can't muster a 17% win rate, you will not be on this podcast. So. Yeah, David really strives for, you know, instead of like the creme <laughs> to the crop, you know, it's like the the barely alive crops, but still has, you know, some standards for this podcast, which we got to commend David for. It's a good thing because standards are something that we don't have. All right, yes, next up is Max, and that is Corey's <laughs> linguistic coach, who uh, has been doing a pretty good job. But honestly, I, I, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like Corey has, has gotten the linguistics down. Now he's mm. just having issues with the day of the week, the time, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, instead of a linguistic coach, I need a logistic coach. Exactly. So, yeah. Max, you know, we might have to get a job change here. Next up, we got Paul Cat. Yeah, Swarovski. BBD has been drinking Diet Pepsi again, it seems. So I'm glad you're back there, Brian. Dude, I had a breakdown and I bought a 24-pack of DP. <laughs> I needed that Pepsitration. I needed that DP in my life again. So. Oh, yeah. Same, dude. I just caved. I've been, uh, I've been, um, you know, I have, I have actually some traveling. I'm going to be officiating a wedding at the end of next month. So I really wanted to start, like, losing some weight. So I've been starting to eat healthy cutting out coke zero and stuff but today i caved as well i bought a 12 pack coke zero because yolo life's too short yeah life's too short get double pepsi traded that's all that matters mm-hmm. so paul kaskarowski is bbd's wall staring photographer really gets some great shots of bbd as he cracks diet pepsis from behind <laughs> yeah <laughs> once i grow the skull it out paul's job is gonna get way better way better way more business going on all right next up we got phil and we don't know what phil Mm. does although i think phil posted in the bash bros discord a recommendation for whiskey was that phil who posted that I don't remember. I've been really bad about keeping up with discord lately i I get overwhelmed sometimes i thought you interacted with that Corey. 
Oh, that's right. That's because I was drinking all that whiskey. I didn't remember. Yeah, but uh, maybe mm. that's what Phil does. He recommends whiskeys, but we don't. Hey. We still don't really know. So we do need that as a job. So hey, Phil, be the whiskey recommender. I I will take that. Next up, we got the probably the only person that actually does their job right. realistically. Yeah. That's JP, and that is Mangu's timestamp finder. Every single podcast, we find JP. Uh, to the point where we actually start talking about magic. And surprisingly, I think it does get longer and longer. And I think this episode is no real exception to that. No, we've actually been doing really good lately where we start talking about magic super early in the episode. And mm. uh, J- like, you know, we're kind of slacking. We're making JP's job too easy to find the Mangu timestamp of where he can yeah. actually... <laughs> he actually I have a great idea. But... What's that? I have a great idea to mix it up a little bit more to keep Mangu on his toes. Let's start like bullshitting at the beginning, get into magic, go back to bullshitting, oh, yeah. a little bit of magic, and then end with bullshitting. Oh, so like yeah. it's just it's a roller coaster of emotions for him. I like, He's gonna be tuning in and out. I like that idea. I like the idea of yeah. a no magic episode just to just to <laughs> troll Manguchi where we 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 occasionally act like we're about to talk about magic. Just yeah, to rope so- him in, and then it's back to bullshit again. Yeah, so we'll just be like, okay, enough chat, guys. Let's get to our main topic today, and that is, will this catfish thing actually continue on? Indeed. Moving forward in this Laker Twitter. <laughs> just something like that it would be classic. All right, next up we got Sultan Abbasi. That is our designated manadork. This week's an easy one because it is... <laughs> Lanowar Elves alternate art that I didn't know was Lanowar Elves until Corey explained to me what it was because I couldn't read it. <laughs> yep, that is, yep. yeah. You're welcome. Yep. That's a slam dunk here. Easy, easy, Sam. <laughs> next up, we got Eric Null, and that is the BBP <laughs> trash man. You know, uh, just still just doing great work. Like, we haven't been in the office of the BBP, which is a huge, you know, 10-story uh, building where we where we keep all our employees and where we do a lot of business-like stuff. So normally there's a lot of trash that needs to be collected, but now, since we do not have that office, uh, Eric Nall just, uh, I don't know, man. Uh. Just get me out of this reference. <laughs> <laughs> spare, spare, spare me. All right, next we spare got me, please. Gare Meldy, and that is our merch store manager, who yeah. I gotta say is the best manager of a merch store <laughs> we've ever had. However, yeah. our merch store is the least successful thing we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, that store is managed very well. Yes, like is. nothing ever changes in that store yes, because there's no like, you know, supply and demand or whatever these real businesses actually go through. But hey, Gear's knocking it out of the park. True. That place always looks up to up to par. Because there's never any business. There's no going birdies, on. no eagles, but definitely up to par. So <laughs> uh, definitely up to par. Sometimes bogeys, but you know what? We take those. We take those. Next up, we got Patrick, and that is our office party coordinator. And you know what? You just got vaccinated. I got my double dose of vac- of the vaccine. We're getting pretty close to being able to have an office party again. You know, it's 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 on the sunrise. It is mm-hmm. three weeks from number shot n- number two. And then yes. we'll be able to make more 5G references that Brad hates. Um, oh, yeah. I can't wait. All right. Next up. <laughs> and go to Ruby Tuesdays, of course. Oh, the Ruben Old Twos? 
If any of them, I feel like the one last thing, I feel like if any of those Ruby Tuesdays actually survive COVID, like that's something that like our post-apocalyptic world of post-COVID, I would think that everything looks pretty normal. And then Ruby Tuesdays are just like moss infected, you know, like there's just moth going up the entry door. They're just decrepit. Like, I don't think Ruby Tuesday is going to make it out. I'm just imagining like a post-apocalyptic world now where it's just like yeah. everything's like, you know, dust everywhere. You know, like <laughs> yeah. no, like, like 120 degree summer times, like every, like just everything, you know, not a soul in sight, you know, world populations, yeah. like 1.2 million people or something. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and you can still just roll up on a fucking Ruby Tuesdays and there's like a hostess, <laughs> you know, like you're getting a salad bar still out there. Like it's the, like the only thing. It's just a regular old Ruby fucking Tuesday is still just in existence. I yeah, already, that was just the only key to surviving was Ruby Tuesdays was just the way, you I, know, I, I, like even. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how Ruby Tuesday stays afloat because I feel like they just there's never anyone in Ruby Tuesdays. But well, the one do. closed in Roanoke, this one's gone. OK, there, there, there yeah. it is. It's just like even even the apocalypse refused to go to Ruby Tuesdays. So like Ruby Tuesdays was unaffected by it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, God! Of course, rest in peace, Ruby Tuesdays. Oh, the old Ruben old Tuesdays. Sad to see it go. All right, we'll <laughs> yeah. love to watch it leave. All right, we got- <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we got Felipe's Glanis. That is he who shall not be named. Soundboard operator. Yeah, a yeah. disgraced <laughs> former host of this podcast. Uh, at one point in time had a soundboard that was operated mm. by Filippos Galanis, but then stopped having the soundboard for some reason because it yeah. wasn't working and then stopped being a host on this podcast. He was Ooh. so wise once. He was so wise back in his days. And it's just all, all downhill. All downhill from here. Next up, we got Laura, and that is our CEO just really keeping us all floating. You know, made the executive decision to uh, get rid of Voldemort um, from the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so Laura, it was, it was all on Laura and Adham's writing. So it's not our problem. Not us. Definitely not our fault. In any yep. way. <laughs> all right. Next up, we got Victor, and that is he who shall not be named. First place trophy holder. <laughs> He holds trophies for somebody else when they get first place. Uh, Problem is, you don't win a trophy with a 16.67% win rate. (laughs) I don't know. It's possible to get like a participation trophy or something. But, you know, you're not winning a first place trophy. You are not winning a first place trophy with that. You're right. Touche. And last but certainly least, we got Dr. Unks, and that is our resident proctologist, but really specializes in Brian Brondouin proctology. And, you know, Brian, how's that been going? Uh, You know, it's actually been going great since I am actually now, um, what what was it? Uh, Bison. Yeah, Bison is my new name. So I've actually been able to avoid detection by Dr. Unks. I haven't had to get a proctology exam in at least three hours so it's great (laughs) well unfortunately now that you put this information out on the world wide web dr unks is gonna be catching on to you so you kind of screwed that one up there brian no i did but hey three (laughs) three hours best three hours of my life so 
There you go. There you go. All right, everyone. I want to thank you all so much for listening. We had a lot of fun with this uh, special uh, brother and brother from another mother and father episode here yeah. with just me and Brian Braun doing. Uh, hopefully we got Brad back uh, next week on all uh, serious note, hoping he's feeling better. Yep. And, um, you know, it should be, a, should be a fun episode. We'll probably talk some standard, you know, the, these SCGs this weekend should shake that stuff up. So thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next week. Peace. Bye.